Pros do it right by relying on trusted brands because your reputation depends on it. Lowe's is here to help by having more of those brands in stock like DeWalt. So when you need a DeWalt tool fast, you know where to go and where to save. Because we stock the largest in-store selection of DeWalt power tools and accessories of any national retailer. And now you can save $100 on a DeWalt XR2 tool 20-volt max brushless power tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver for just $289. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 616 U.S. only. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another Tuesday night. That means another edition of PGA Grinders Live After Dark here on Roto Grinders. Happy to be bringing you another show. I, of course, am Justin Van Zuden. We'll be taking you through the next hour in daily fantasy golf. And uh, we've got a pretty big tournament this week, the Memorial Tournament uh, up in Ohio. So we're done with the Texas swing. We're done with the Florida swing. We're done with California, Hawaii. We finally get into the upper Midwest with the tournament in Ohio this week. Muirfield Village, the site of this week's tournament, a par 72 course, a little over 7,300 square, 7,300 yards on the scorecard. So we've got a different venue this week and uh, we've been playing par 70s the last month or so. Get to a par 72 this week, change things around a little bit and uh, should be a lot of fun. So we will break that down here for you over the next hour. Uh, with me, as always, Gib Pollard on one side. Hello, Gib. How are you? Good, mate. Good, mate. How you been? Uh, doing pretty good. The uh, the Dean and DeLuca was kind to me, so we're uh, hoping to keep that going for another week or two. And uh, Kevin Kisner with the old weekend surge. And we talked about it a little bit last week, uh, the, the weather playing a factor, and it certainly did with those first two rounds. Yeah, for sure. I mean, was it a two-stroke difference between uh, – Early and evening. Uh, it was afternoon. almost exactly three strokes over the first two days. Wow. Yeah, I I didn't get to see the stats on the second day, but I, I saw I saw the differences in the the different like the, yeah, the, the first round. The first day was two full strokes, and the second day was like eight tenths of a stroke. So um, Brian Devonshire along with us as always as well, and uh, Debo, we uh, we pegged it early last week. I know it's hard to. It's hard to decipher that on Tuesday, but uh, we hit that wave correctly on the show last week, so we got to give ourselves a little pat on the back for that. Yeah, that's good. I was pretty much ignorant to do that until about earlier today. I've been off in the woods, but good to get that information out there. I'm looking forward to actually playing this week. Yeah, it was uh, almost a little a shade under three strokes difference, and uh, really interesting the way the winds kicked up there the first day. And uh, it really made the, uh, an advantage for the people that teed off early on Thursday and then a little bit on Friday as well with how the wind patterns uh, shook out. But you still had a lot of guys from the, the opposite side of the wave that were in contention, guys like Jordan Spieth. I believe Webb Simpson was also on that side of the wave, Paul Casey. Uh, so there were some guys that, uh, that came from the negatively impacted side of the weather draw and still had a chance. Come Sunday, of course, Kevin Kisner ended up taking the tournament down by one stroke over uh, Spieth and John Rahm and a couple of other guys. Simpson ended up fading a couple shots back. But a little bit different dynamic this week. We're not in the wind of Texas. We're up in Ohio. 
and the weather doesn't look like it's going to play a huge impact this week as of yet. So, uh, Gib, any other thoughts on uh, last week from you? Oh, no, other than on the Sunday, I, I didn't get to watch any of the, the, uh, the golf there. I was uh, busy putting up a pool for my kids. So I spent all morning prepping, all day filling, and then by the end of the day, uh, my, my sweethearts put a hole in it. <laughs> so I ended up driving around town trying to find a patch kit for my pool. But, uh, you know, I'm just in, a, in recovery mode from the players, so I'm trying to build my bankroll up playing a lot of 50-50s. So, you know, I had six or six through, you know, all of my lineups. So pretty much I felt like I had sealed the deal by Friday afternoon. So I didn't really have to worry about weekend golf. And could, uh, you know, use a memorial uh, weekend just as it's meant to be with family and whatnot. So I, I didn't actually get to watch too much golf on the weekend. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I watched a good chunk of it on Sunday, but uh, missed a, a lot of it otherwise. Pretty fun, uh, entertaining back nine there with a lot of guys in the mix. And, of course, it's a new week, though. So we uh, move on to the Memorial, another invitational tournament, a shorter field, 120 golfers this week. So once again, you'll probably see a decent chunk of six out of six lineups. Last week was only about 15%. The uh, the two highest owned players in most of the DraftKings tournaments last week were Pat Perez and Jason Duffner, and they both missed the cut. Uh, I did not have any Perez, which was good. I had my fair share of Duffner, which wasn't good. But uh, so that really took down the six out of six percentage. Normally with a field of this size, 120 golfers, if a lot of the chalky golfers don't miss the cut, you're looking probably in the 20, 25% range for six out of six teams. Might see that this week, might not, who knows. Uh, but we've got a, a pretty solid field uh, here at the Memorial. Lots of top golfers. Uh, participating and then of course next week we have the FedEx St. Jude Classic and then we have the U.S. Open up in Wisconsin at Aaron Hills uh, the week after that so a busy three weeks or so coming up as we get into the heart of the uh, summer here and in in Ohio just gonna be a little bit different as far as the the layout of the course and this maybe the stats we're targeting this week and of course as I mentioned earlier par 72 instead of a par 70 uh, Debo, what do you want to want to tell us here about uh, this Nicholas design course? Well, I think that most people are going to look at driving distance and the bombers and the par five scores, but that's not really what pops for me. There's plenty of examples of guys who are more of the bunting the bunting realm of golfers uh, who have you know finished top two, three here. Uh, so I'm really looking at strokes gained tee to green and especially strokes gained approach. Uh, some of the you know, smaller accuracy stats like scrambling, proximity, sand saves, greens and regulation, they really pop, you know, but par four and par five scoring pops as well. So, um, yeah, I'm going to look at the strokes game stats, uh, par four and par five scoring. All right. Uh, it's a really interesting layout as far as this course because the fairways are pretty wide. Uh, so the inaccurate guys can kind of get away with, uh, you know, they're, they're – their wayward drives a little bit more than they can on some other courses, which does lend itself to distance, but it also has been known as a second shot golf course, a ball strikers course. So uh, just guys that are good all around throughout their bag will certainly uh, benefit here, of course, as they usually do on, uh, on every tournament. Uh, Gib, what do you think about uh, this course? Uh, The course uh, I'm looking at the weather and, you know, we've mentioned that it doesn't look too bad, but it sort of looks like, it might pick up 
a little bit towards the end of Friday. I, I'm saying, you know, c- compared to the start, I mean, it, it's 13 mile, 12, 12 to 13 mile per hour wind on Friday. You know, in the morning, you're looking at four, five miles per hour. Uh, but, you know, the, the weather that I'm looking at potentially could be up to about 30 mile per hour gusts on Friday afternoon. Now, there is a disclaimer next to it saying um, it's not 100% reliable, but that is just something, you know, and it is Tuesday, so keep it in mind and just take a look towards uh, before lock because there could be a little bit of weather there on the Friday afternoon. So I, I'm just keeping that in mind. It looks like the wind direction's going from uh, the west, and this is a, a course which has a lot of uh, west and east uh, poles. So any sort of wind that might pick up will be playing downwind or um, upwind. So uh, other than that, uh, yeah, it's that's the only thing I really see for this course other than, you know, Jack sort of loved Augusta. So he sort of designed this with that in mind. I'm not saying that it plays exactly like Augusta, but you know, it's got wide fairways, you know, the go- the greens will be rolling quickly. So, you know, uh, that's just the way he likes it. Plus, uh, a lot of the uh, the tees are elevated for this course. I think it's 14 out of 18 holes have elevated tee boxes. So a lot of downhill drives because apparently Jack Nicholas uh, thought that golf is much more exciting when you're driving downhill. That'll make the course play a little bit shorter if that's the case for sure. Uh, and interesting that you bring up wind direction there. It was a big thing that uh, that happened last week. The, the wind the first three days at uh, the Colonial was the same direction. And then mm-hmm. on Sunday, it flipped the exact opposite direction. So the first three days, the two par fives were pretty reachable for everyone, even the longer, not everyone, but the, the first, the front nine one certainly was. The back nine one was still reachable for a lot of guys, even though it was measured 600 yards, because both those holes were downwind. On Sunday, uh, both those holes were playing into the wind and hardly anybody was getting on the green to, uh, or even going for it on the, on the 11. So uh, really interesting when the wind direction shifts, especially if you've got guys who have been playing, you know, haven't maybe haven't played here as much, haven't seen that wind. Uh, it's an interesting angle. If, you know, if there's a wind shift, not that they're, they're calling for anything huge this week on that front, but uh, uh, still really interesting. Those sort of dynamics that, uh, Maybe you don't think about quite as often as you're set, when you're setting your uh, your DFS lineups. Anything else, uh, Gib, on this course or uh, just in general? Uh, well, just uh, the Memorial. I, when I first started playing DFS, I thought the Memorial was because it was right after Memorial Weekend, but it turns out that it's um, actually to honor, you know, people within the golfing industry, whether it's former players or people within the industry who have, you know, excelled in doing something. This year, the honoree, the, the key honoree is Greg Norman. And so there's a lot of actually Australians playing in there because the honoree gets to invite four, uh, four players of his choosing or his or her choosing. And so he's selected four Australians uh, as well as all the other Australians are going to be in the, uh, in, in the tournament. So there's, there's going to be a heavy dose of uh, my, uh, my folk in this tournament. So... You know, I'm sort of uh, excited to see how, uh, you know, the Aussies play this week. Yeah, we shall see how that goes. Really interesting field. This is going to be a fun one to break down. Uh, We'll get into the golfers here now. Again, it's a par 72 course, wide fairways, 
but still, of course, that can be made a second shot golf course. We've seen golfers of all types win here. So uh, the golfer who plays the best is going to, to shoot the best score and good shots will be rewarded. Bad shots will be punished. And that's uh, it's about as simple as you can make it. So uh, <laughs> the one that plays the best wins. That's right. The one that plays the best wins. And uh, un unless, you know, you can sneak a, a Phil Mickelson by and get a free drop when your uh, your you know, your ball uh, got quote stolen by a spectator or something like that, you know, maybe play those angles a little bit. Then maybe you could just be second best and still win. But uh, we can't plan on that. So. The field this week, as I mentioned, pretty strong. You've got Dustin Johnson heading the charge this week. We've got John Rahm. We've got Jordan Spieth. Uh, so most of your big names are playing here this week outside of a handful. And uh, that gives us lots of options to consider at the top. So, uh, Devo, where are you looking on the high end here this week? I'm actually going to skip all the way down to Hideki. Uh, I think that Dustin is priced pretty fairly. I think that Rahm is finally priced about where he should be. I think price, uh, I think Spieth is, you know, kind of decently priced and going to be more popular after his second place last week. And even Day's getting a little bit of noise uh, with his recent second place finish. So uh, Hideki's kind of faded, you know, without really playing poor golf. So I think he's going to be the least popular guy of the high upside guys. Yeah, I don't think he'll be really popular either. I mean, it's, and I have to say this off the top. Uh, DraftKings didn't do a great job with the pricing this week. It is soft as soft can get. And, uh, you know, that's going to make a lot of people want to put DJ. It's mm. going to make a lot of people want to put Rom. It's going to make a lot of people want to put Spieth in their lineups. And you can make a lineup comfortably with both Johnson and Rom. It's, it's really easy to do. So uh, both of those guys are going to be immensely popular. And that, of course, has to factor in as well. Um, so, I mean, it's hard for me to fade all of these guys at the top simply because the pricing is so loose. Uh, Gib, you got thoughts on uh, DJ, Rom, Jordan Spieth, those guys? Well, I mean, Jordan Spieth was horrendous going into last week and obviously played very good as defending champion. Um, but I still don't 100% trust him. I'm looking at Rom. And DJ, if I have to choose between the three of them, I'm probably going Rom, DJ, and then Spieth. But like Devo, I'm sort of skipping down, and I'm not really interested until Hideki and Adam Scott. So I'm not really looking into. Um, I'm not really looking into. I'm going to be playing a lot of cash games this week, so I'm not particularly interested in uh, Dustin or Spieth. If I have to pick one of the highest ones, I might go Rom, and then. Um, then go from there but I want a lot of value within my teams this week and I think I get it with Scott and, and, and Hideki so I'm not going to bother about the the top three at the moment well, that surprises me I mean I can make a team with both DJ and Rom where I feel comfortable with the guys that I've got I, if you look at some of the value that we'll get to in the 6k range there's lots of guys down there but you know the reservation for me obviously in tournaments is uh, if you're going chalky but cash games I'm I would probably be apt to play one of the two simply because I like the team that you can get, but there's a lot of good options in the seven and eight K range as well. Uh, Rom is the, the first guy that I put in my video this week. Obviously we keep uh, seeing him succeed his first time playing a lot of these courses after a little blip at the players where he missed the second cut came right back with a second place finish last week, had a chance to join Kisner in a playoff with a 10 footer on the last hole and couldn't uh, knock it in. So he settled for a tie 
for second. And uh, you got a golf course here that would seem to suit his game. Uh, really good tee to green. He's great off the tee. He's great on approach. And as long as the putter stays okay, he should be fine. Hasn't missed a, a cut all year. So uh, you get a, you do get a decent savings from Dustin Johnson to Rom of 900 bucks there on DraftKings. Uh, so Rom is kind of where I'm going in there. You guys have kind of talked about the uh, the next guys down a little bit. Uh, Matsuyama, Scott, uh, Jason Day. It'll be interesting to see what people do with him. Not the best history at this event. Uh, Debo, you got any thoughts on Jason Day? I, I, Jason Day is pretty universally thought that he's going to be kind of the lowest owned guy in this kind of price range this week. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that kind of interests me, but I don't think he's going to be that much more popular than Hideki. Hideki. Jason Day has been really weak in stroke scanned approach this season as well as in par four scoring. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just going to go with Hideki, who I think is a better fit for this course for the $300 discount without much greater ownership. If day is going to be more popular. Fair enough. I agree. Or I like that. Uh, yeah, I got you. I, I like Hideki too this week. I, I think, you know, again, his game is the type uh, that would, that would suit this, that suits his course. Well, I believe he missed the cut here last year. Mm -hmm. um, he, did. he had a fifth but, and a first before yeah, that as well. Yeah. So I, I think I there was some weather issues last year. Um, and so Maybe he was on the bad end of the draw. You know, I'm not 100% sure about that. But when I was reading up on the 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 previous notes from last year, I I do believe there was maybe some weather issues last year. Yeah, there was a rain delay. Um, let's see. Why well, I don't know. I'm trying to find that real quick. But uh, there was there there were some issues last year. So you. Look, it, the the course was suits his game perfectly. He had a win and a fifth place here. Don't be concerned about one miscut from Hideki Matsuyama. Uh, then you got, you know, maybe the next tier of, of top guys with Adam Scott, Brooks Kepka, who's finally turned a corner, and Matt Kuchar, who has gotten a reputation as a course horse here. You look at his results at this event, uh, the last nine times that he's played, he's played at nine of the last ten years. Every single one of those trips except for one, 15th place finish or better, five top tens. He was a 2013 champion. We generally think of Matt Kuchar as a guy that doesn't have tons of upside, but with that history here and a ninth and a 12th the last two weeks, uh, it's probably say hello to Matt Kuchar chalk week. Uh, Devo, does that have you off the Kuchar train? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think he's a little too expensive. Um, he's kind of a bad buy according to Vegas. His stats are pretty average as far as what I'm looking for, for a course fit here. And I do worry that it's going to be popular because of the course horse people. And his form has been pretty decently at 12th and then a ninth and a, after an MDF, but some other decent finishes scattered throughout the last three months as well. So, uh, I don't know. I, I, I just have better options here. Like this is kind of like last week for me where the guys really pop and everybody says that, you know, such a strong field and everything's so balanced, but the pricing is pretty broken. There's so many guys below 7K that are extremely cheap, which I think is going to further push ownership to the expensive guys. You know, I think a lot of people are going to go like Dustin and then, you know, Kuchar kind of thing or Rom, Kuchar, some of those guys in the middle. So I would rather go Hideki Scott like uh, Gibb is doing or I'm going to go Hideki Ricky myself. Yeah, Ricky Fowler is another guy. It seems pretty cheap there at eighty nine hundred. Uh, just a, he's been in better form this year than he was pretty much all of last season. 
Um, but the course history people will will certainly be off him here. He's missed the cut the last three years at this event, uh, but better form this year than uh, than years past. So I think he's really interesting at that eighty nine hundred dollar price point. Uh, Gib, what are your thoughts on some of these guys here in between uh, Adam Scott and, and Ricky Fowler? Yeah, like you said, I mean, a lot of people are going to be sort of with the soft pricing going to be looking at, you know, Ram and Dustin. And just like Devo said, they're going to be going Dustin, Ram, and then Kutcher, which makes me like Hideki and Scott even more because you put Hideki, Scott, and Kutcher together, you still, your average DraftKing uh, price is much better than just Ram and, and Dustin. So, um, yeah, I, I, I like all three of those plays. Um, Kutcher, I don't mind. If he's going to be chalky, then I'm going to try and different my lineup somewhere else. But he, there's certain times where I just feel like Kutcher is a must play. In cash games, I think he is a must play because, you know, he's formed, apart from that one player's, you know, third round in the players where he put a couple of balls in the water, which, you know, it's quite easy to do it at Sawgrass. His form hasn't been that bad. His course history is not that bad. So, yeah, I do like Kutcher. And then I'm just going to try and have a, a different lineup. So, like, you know, different my lineup somewhere else. And so, you know, if people are going to be, ta- you know, taking Dustin and, and Ram in, in cash games, then I'm going to be happy to take a Decky Scott and Kutcher and call it good. Yeah, I mean, a Kutcher is a guy, though, that I think a lot of people will go to in uh... – in cash games, just because of the history here, I, he'll be he'll be really popular. In fact, mm-hmm. let me let me see um, what his projected ownership is. Let's bring that up here real quick. See if that's posted. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't deny that he's going to be popular at all. Um, but there's, there's sometimes you just have to take the chalk. Sure. Oh, in sometimes. cash games, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've and, got him um, in the twenty percent range. This week, yeah. So. And so, you know, Kutcher last year at this tournament, he was he was 9-9 and he was owned 52% in cash games. And he finished, what, top 15 last year? Uh, fourth. Fourth. So, yeah. So, I mean. I, I don't think it'll be that high this week just because the pricing is so soft that you can play a lot of guys. So I don't, he's not going to be 50. I, I guess I, I can't say that definitively, but I don't think he'll be 50. Well, anyone who takes a top guy is probably going to be looking at Kutcher right below. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how many people are going to be taking Dustin and Ram at the same time. You know, there is a, a great deal of value down below. There really is. But, you know, how many people are actually going to take the top two guys and then, sort of sift through the bottom because if they do that then you know all these you know lower top tier guys become far more attractive i think more people than you think will do that i mean look at the 6700 you've got billy horschel brendan Steele, keegan bradley cabrera bayo you've got ryan moore at 67 uh you've got bubba watson at 66 you've got kevin tway who's been popular at 65 you've got sung kang who's been popular at 65 You've got Charlie Hoffman at 65. You've got Cameron Smith at 65. I mean, that was just with a quick, quick glance down there. There's mm-hmm. eight or nine names and at 6,700 or less. And if you start your lineup with DJ and Rom, you have 6,725 to spend per player. And all of those guys I mentioned were 6,700 or less. So 
I think people, I think a lot of people will start their cash games with those two guys. I think a lot of people will start them with one of them plus Kucher or Fowler or something, you know, something of that nature. Um, the the preliminary marks, by the way, have Ricky Fowler as the highest owned guy in the field. Um, I would guess because of that price tag, but I don't expect that. I, I would expect him to lower that with, with Fowler having the three missed cuts in a row here, but we'll see. I, I'm not sure how much buzz he's getting elsewhere. I haven't really dialed into that too much this week. Uh, but as we move down below uh, Fowler there at, uh, at 8,900, you've got uh, Jason Duffner, William McGirt, who's the defending champion. We've got Grillo. We've got Schneider Jans, who's up to 8.3 this week. Uh, Gib, who's your pick in that uh, kind of tier there? It's funny, as I was reading an article about William McGirt, I think it's in the Memorial Magazine where they send out a yearly magazine. So it was 220 pages. I didn't read all of it because I think, you know, 65% of it's full page ads. But uh, the the one article I was reading about William McGirt as a defending champion, the, the writer mentioned that William McGirt probably leads the PGA Tour in security checks. And I just got a massive chuckle out of that because he doesn't really look like the prototypical um, um, PGA player. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm not really interested in, in McGirt because I feel like he might be fairly popular. Uh, there's only one person in the history of the Memorial that's defended his championship, and that was Tiger Woods. And I think we all agree that Tiger Woods and William McGirt are not on the same page unless, you know, uh, I won't go there. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, Emilio Grillo and Shania Jans is where I sort of pique my interest there, especially Grillo. I think this is a course that suits him pretty well. So, you know, I don't mind uh, just uh, glancing over Daphne McGirt. Daphne doesn't really have great course history here, neither does they. And that surprises me since they both live and reside in Ohio. Uh, but um, yeah, McGirt and yeah, I'm just going, I, I, Grillo is the guy who I like in this range. And I think a lot of people will like him this week. Uh, green surfaces more towards his liking as again, you get some different green surfaces up here. Uh, when we get out of the, the, the West Coast swing and the Southern swing, you see um, green surfaces that uh, that might favor some different players as than you know what we've been playing on over the last uh two three months so keep that in mind you're going to see maybe some different players uh top the list as far as uh, putting preferences and things um and this course the, the correlated courses that you know josh Culp likes to write about that in his articles and they're they're courses that we haven't seen yet uh, this year. So this, this course is bent grass as far as greens. And we've seen a lot of Bermuda so far this year, we've seen the new Tiff Eagle Bermuda or whatever they call it. Um, and, and you get to a lot of these courses, maybe towards the, the more Northern part of the country, you see a lot more bent grass. So um, we see that this week and uh, Grillo is a guy who tends to, to play better on a bent grass surface. So keep that in mind. And he's a guy that will, uh, I think, draw some ownership this week at that $8,500 price point. Other options in this range, it's kind of a limited area here between 8K and, and 8,900 where Fowler was. Just not a lot of guys in the 8K range. Uh, Devo, you got anybody else in the 8Ks that you like or else you can fire us off some 7K options? Well, I'm going to third Grio at you. He's uh, my only favorite guy besides Fowler in the 8K range. 
it's really quite absurd to me looking at Vegas odds. Most of these guys in the 8K range have worse Vegas odds than like the 10 guys you named below 7K. Yeah. It, it, and so if Grio is going to be popular, like should we just do what is optimal and take a handful of these cheap guys with, you know, some studs? I guess it depends on what the herd's going to do. I, I, I don't know. I, I, because I think all of these guys outside of Grillo are going to be owned a whole lot of not much. Yeah. You know, and the, but does that make us want to play them? Mm. If a, if an 8,300 Ollie Schneider Jans has the same odds as a 6,700, you know, Brian Moore or Billy Horschel, or maybe the, maybe the optimal play this week is to leave salary on the table. Mm, maybe a lot of it too yeah well yeah. balanced or balanced but you, you but then you're making a lineup with schneider jans Harmon, and Cauley, and jb holmes and it just doesn't i don't know it doesn't have the same ring to it too. I, I i think i'd rather just leave money on the table I, I think it might be a fair contest if i get six guys below 7k of my choice and you get only guys in the 8k range you think that's even odds it might be compared yeah. to like Vegas odds. I agree. Yeah. I, I, it's so weird. It's one of the first things I noticed when I was scrolling through the pricing this week, these 8k guys all seem a little high and there's a whole bunch of 6k guys that seem a little too cheap. I don't know. I don't know what happened there, but uh, it's, but they got Patrick crazy. Cantley, right? So Gib, are you happy with Patrick Cantley's price? I, I, I off the top of my head, I don't know where he is. At. Oh yeah. 7,800. Well, yeah, it might be a little high. But yeah, now he he some the goods, so I don't mind him. Yeah, you can't you can't disparage him anymore. You're you're banished from the. No, uh, I I I honestly thought he was going to win the players, despite what I was saying, and I was going to look like a massive idiot. But uh, thank you, Patrick, for not winning the players. Instead of uh, Suwu Kim, who is uh, paired with two Australians. So last week he was paired with two Spanish people. Now he's. Uh, paired with two Australians, so who knows what other nationality he'll be paired with uh, the next time he tees up. <laughs> Maybe they're sticking it to him for having that bad back that he always withdraws with. Uh, we'll see. If only he could go with uh, Louis Oosthuizen and uh, who else withdraws? <laughs> the bad back group with Oosthuizen and put Tiger in there. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a perfect U.S. Open right there. Boom. <laughs> Odds uh, that you could have odds on that for all three players to make it through the the first two rounds, and it'd be uh, probably plus money for them. That'd be all. my low ball group. <laughs> oh, poor uh, poor Patrick Cantlay, we feel bad for you. Uh, Devo, do you want to do you want to stop the the Patrick Cantlay hate that Gibb likes to spew? I didn't say I hated him. I said it was okay. Uh, it was more Suwu Kim hate just then. No, I, we know we know that you're just blowing smoke. We know you don't like Patrick Cantlay. He's too expensive. I don't think he's too expensive this week. Like, if people are going to continue to ignore him, like, what does this kid have to do to get some actual recognition on the tour? Second, 39th, third in the 22nd? I talked to Gib. I don't know what he's got to do. Gib? I, I don't I don't want to go down this road any more than I have. <laughs> I really You're too late. I'm, I'm, I'm begging you to go there. I don't want to. Um, yeah. He has to win on tour. <laughs> He's got to pull a Hudson Swafford and win. Yeah. No, the only thing, the last time I spoke about Patrick Cantley, 
he was priced higher than the two people who won the tournaments that he played well in. That's just weird to me. That's all. That's all I'm going to say about it. But other than that, no, I don't mind his price, you know, but he's going to be very low on because there's going to be so much value down below that he's all these 7K, high 7K players, they're all going to be low on. You know, so. Just like the 8K guys. Yeah. Except for Fino. He will be popular. Yeah, he will. The other guys, I agree. They'll be low on. You know, you probably find a DJ or a Rom with a Kutcher and a Fino. That, that would probably be the three highest owned, a combination of those two up top, Kutcher and Fino. Yeah. And then so. insert 6K players here. Yeah. Yeah. Insert 6K players here. I, I think I agree with that. Uh, Debo, your thoughts? I didn't uh, mean to limit you to Cantley there, but uh, other 7K guys that you like? Well, I like Finau, so if you're telling me he's going to be popular also, then I think I am trending more towards those insert 6K players here lineup. Yeah, well, Finau is, I mean, he's got uh, pretty decent form, and uh, he's played here twice. He's finished 8th and 11th. So, and he was popular last week. I think he'll be popular again. I know it's not like he's been racking up top 10s, but 29th last week, 13th at the Byron Nelson, third at the Valero, did struggle at the players, but that wasn't a good course for him. You know, he's just – he's been consistent all year, and people like to play him, so I think he'll be popular. Uh, we have him projected as the fifth highest owned golfer in the field right now, so I kind of agree with that. So that leaves you with uh, – either insert six 6k players here or other 7k options besides Finau. yeah there are some interesting 7k options to me but again it's just so weird like comparing their price tags to these vegas odds like i'm interested in adam hadwin at 7.6k but he's 80 to 1 like that that just seems like fundamentally unsound considering that I can get other guys, you know, at a greater odds to win at a lower ownership probably for less of a price tag. So I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be messing around with guys like Adam Hadwin, although I do think he's going to be significantly lower owned than Kevin Kisner, who I'm interested in once again. So, I mean, like, I like Kyle Stanley at 7.4 K, but he's 91 to one. So I don't know. What do you, what do you think of this mess of this pricing and, there's just so many cheap options. Like they can't all be popular. Right. And I don't think there's going to be any that are straight up chalk. No, I don't. I mean, I think they'll all kind of take ownership away from each other, which leads you to play in some of them and then play in some studs. And that's where the, the DJ and ROM lineups come in. So and where so, does our skill edge come from this week then? Uh, it's diminished because of the pricing, but maybe instead of playing DJ and ROM plus the six K guys, you play, DJ and Fowler and the 6K guys and leave $1,500 on the table. And just play the 7Ks. Or just play the 7Ks. Okay, so yeah. You got Hadwin, who's won on tour this year. Justin Thomas, who's won three times on tour this year. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. Kisner, who's just coming off a win, all priced pretty significantly low. I mean, Brian Harmon is... I don't know why he's up that high. I mean, I know he's been playing good. And Schneider Jans shouldn't be priced that high either. So, yeah, uh, it's just a mess. 
it's back to what three months ago when they were just screwing around with the pricing so um people i think it's going to be a mix you know a mixture of just people are just going to be dropping ownership here and there and everywhere um but you know if people are going to be drawn to dj and ram and if they're going to be like 30 percent do you think they're going to be up to about 30 percent on yeah i don't think that's impossible so i mean it's going to suck ownership away from eight to seven k players that's why i was saying balanced I wasn't saying, you know, play a whole bunch of 8K players, uh, but, you know, you can play the, you know, 9 to 10K players and then fill in the, the blanks. You might go one 6K player and then fill it in with 7K players. And that's a, a pretty respectable uh, lineup right there. You could go into most cash games thinking you've got a winner. I can get behind that as a as a way to differentiate your lineup for sure, right? You know, so you're saying instead of starting with the 8Ks, you start with a Scott or a Kutcher yeah. or something like that, or a Matsuyama. Like I said, you could have Scott, uh, Kutcher, and Matsuyama and still have more average um, more average drafting salary per player than if you just went Ram and, and DJ. And the odds, I, I don't know if the odds will say, but, you know, Scott... Um, was it Scott Hideki and Kutcher are no slouches. They're studs in their own right at this course anyway. And, you know, they're some of the top players in the world. So, you know, they don't have the ooh and ah as DJ and Ram have, but they're still solid players. And, you know, there's no guarantee that, you know, DJ and Ram are going to do anything spectacular. You know, though Ram has been playing out of his mind, except for the players. And of course, DJ has too, but, at some point, they're going to fall off the radar. Everyone falls off the radar. It, it, unless you think that Ram and, and DJ are going to be the next Tiger Woods and go on a streak of two to three years, even Spieth fell off the radar. So at some point, they're going to fall off the radar. So whether or not you want to be on the radar or on them when they fall off the radar, or if you want to just sort of differentiate your lineup that way. But yeah, that's my little rant about that well it just it, it makes it a re an interesting week where you know we are spending less time talking about individual golfers and more time talking game theory just because the pricing is out of whack and the plays are obvious i mean the it just comes down to you know who's going to be popular uh, who's not going to be in gpps or what's the optimal theory to to give yourself a competitive edge uh i will say that it, probably should have mentioned this earlier, but FanDuel has reintroduced their golf product uh, this week and they took away the rounds one and two and rounds three and four distinctions. It was just, it wasn't working and people didn't like it. And I don't think new users wanted to play it. So they simply took that away. They kept the rest of the structure the same. The pricing is the same. You just pick eight golfers. You have them for all four rounds. Uh, so on FanDuel, you're trying to get eight of eight guys through the cut line. And that is, uh, I like it. Is, yeah, I mean, it's it's a challenge for sure. You'll see a low percentage of those. And the FanDuel's pricing on a on a player by player basis is a little sharper this week, so uh, you're not you don't have the uh, the easier salaries to to deal with. So uh, if you play the if you've played the FanDuel product before and you didn't like it, uh, give it another try, see what you think of it. And uh, you know, I, we all like overlay and DFS, but I hope for their sake that they fill their their tournaments this week so that we can see them maybe uh, pump up some bigger contests for the U.S. Open in a few weeks and, uh, I, and see, see how that goes. 
the eight of eight, I think, takes out the necessity of picking the winner. Because oh, for sure. I, if, you get a, if you get eight out of eight through, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, at what point does picking the winner override how many you get through the cut? That's, that's I think, the conversation for Bandil. Yeah, well, we just don't know. We haven't had the data yet. We'll have I to mean, see. granted, if you get eight at eight through and you got the winner, you're sitting happy on the weekend, I think. But yeah, the more plays you have to get through to the cut, I think that takes out the need for picking the winner or having the winner, I should say. Sure. All right, so let's go back to the golfers this week. So we got through the uh, most of the high-end 7K guys. Gib, you got any thoughts on this tier of – uh, maybe Phil, Kisner, Justin Thomas, uh, Hadwin, those guys. I was really intrigued with Justin Thomas, and then I saw his course history, and then I've seen his recent form, and that scared me off a little bit. So I'm, I'm less bullish on Justin Thomas as I was. Kisner, um, you know, he's going to be popular, obviously, because he won last week. Uh, but, you know, if, if people are going to be sort of going high and low, then Adam Hadwin sort of – Piques my interest. Phil piques my interest as well, even though a lefty has never won at this tournament before. So I don't know if uh, Jack has something against lefties and he designed a course where lefties can't win it. But, um, you know, I feel I think he's played here, I think, 16 times and, and he's made the cut 13. Two of those withdrawals. So, you know, obviously he's only had one legit missed cut. So at 7-7, if I'm playing cash games, that's a very intriguing price for me to have someone of Phil's quality, you know, you match him up with Hadwin and you've got a, a pretty nice little mid-tier right there. So um, I, I don't mind that at all. You know, other than, you know, some of these other players, Furyk scares me, Danny Lee's inconsistent, Hoffman, no thanks, Patton Kazar, Scott Brown, Lingmuth is a formal winner. So I think his ownership's going to be bumped up a little bit. So, um, you know, I, I was on him last week and I was happy about that because he did perform pretty well. But he was. He was pretty good. Pardon? And he wasn't very popular, was he? No, he wasn't. So I was happy about that. And then Kyle Stanley, people, you know, he's 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 played this year has been great. So, but I just don't see a whole bunch of ownership in this level when you know it's going to be stacked high and low this week. So, you know, that's why and Stanley I was, was and Stanley was not good last week, and he was very pop as as popular as I've ever seen Kyle Stanley. So that will uh, detract from his ownership this week as well. But, you know, he, he was coming, you know, he might be in a downward spiral. I mean, he had a legit shot to win the players and he, he, and like JB Holmes screwed up. And so that could start a, a negative vibe and that's all a golfer needs to have a downward spiral. I mean, they, what do they say that the golfing golf is 90% mental. So, you know, I, I'm a bit afraid about that. Fair enough. I think that's a, a, a good assessment there. Brendan DeYoung, by the way, uh, <laughs> he's back in our lives. He used to be the guy that played on PGA Tour every week, lost his card, uh, doesn't get on into too many events. But when I looked this afternoon, at least the place that I looked, Brendan DeYoung had the worst odds to win in the entire field. And here he is, $400 more expensive on DraftKings than the likes of Brendan Steele, Billy Horschel, Keegan Bradley, Graham DeLatte, Ryan Moore, Hudson Swafford, and he's got the worst odds to win in the entire field. Again, I don't understand it. I'm not quite sure why Brendan DeYoung is 7,100 
and all those other guys are 6,700, but uh, we've beat that dead horse to a crisp on this show. That's the last I'll say about that. But uh, Heidi Harrington was once 8-5. That's all we need to say. <laughs> yeah, but he had a good course history that week, right, or something? Yeah. Was... I, I just realized yesterday that, you know, one of my best wins was coming second in, the, I think, the 2004 U.S. Open, and I had Brennan Todd and Brendan DeYoung on my, on my squad. And they've that, just fallen off the flight. That, and, that so, would not that would not fly right now. No, no, that would be a low ball one, right? There. Well, no, it wouldn't even qualify as a low ball because <laughs> they shouldn't be priced that high. I, I heard that Zach Johnson had a, a bit of a meltdown. I think he did. Three. Is there any video footage of that? I heard about it, but I, I saw a few pictures. I had to, I didn't hunt for a video, but they put uh, him on the clock and he uh, dumped his clubs all over the course. It uh, was uh, an unpleasant uh, sight. Yeah, D D Dustin. Zach Johnson was uh, none too pleased, and he wasn't playing well either, so I don't think that helped matters. Uh, but uh, that's uh, that's indeed what Zach Johnson did. I think that was on Saturday. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, that's, uh, that's what Zach did last week at Colonial. All right, low 7K guys. Any uh, low 7K guys for you, Debo? Nope. Quick and easy, man. That's all good. <laughs> Come on, like how many do you want me to name? It's just so absurd the price this week. I mean, I there there's a guy that I really like this week, and I don't I don't know if you mentioned him. Maybe you mentioned him before I got off on the tangent about FanDuel and all those other things. But I really like Ross Fisher this week. I like Ross Fisher this week too. But you told me under seven k. I meant to no, say low 7K. Uh, okay. I, yeah. I, it might have sounded like below 7K, but I meant low 7K. Uh, so yeah, I, Ross Fisher is my only guy in that range. I totally agree with you. And yeah, Stuart Sink at 7K even. A lot of people might ignore these kind of guys that maybe play a little bit more on the Euro Tour, like a Ross Fisher. Mm -hmm. uh, his last three Euro Tour events, uh, Shenzhen internationally finished third. Volvo China Open finished sixth. BMW PGA Championship last week finished ninth. Uh, the last event he played over here was the players, and he missed the cut. So, uh, but this is a guy who's been performing really, really well on the Euro Tour. Seventy one hundred, I think, is a nice price tag for him, and I think he'll be lower owned with all the uh, noise here with these six K guys. Uh, you mentioned Stuart Sink, who just continues to play really well. I agree on that. And uh, then we get into the the six K guys. Uh, you know, give any any high 6K guys or guys you want to expound upon that uh, I may have just mentioned in passing. Well, one low 7K guy that I don't mind is Gary Woodland. He came here fourth last year. He he was teamed up with Greg Norman for a while there. And, they, he, you know, they were – Greg Norman was tutoring him. So this could be a special week for him. There might be some extra motivation there. You know, he, he crushes it off the tee. So – I, you know, if you are looking for a distance player that might have a, a touch more motivation to sort of do well, maybe it's uh, Gary Woodland. But, you know, there is there's a lot of names here. Um, you know, I, I I backed what I said last week and I didn't play Stuart Sink. So, you know, that's why he performed very well last week. <laughs> so what are you doing this week? I I don't know. I, I, I feel like if I get on the Sink bandwagon or not bandwagon, but if I get back on Sink, and he misses a cut again, that would be three for three, and I'd be very discouraged. Uh, but, you know, you got some 
pretty solid names here. So I don't think you can get go wrong with many of these people. I mean, Haas, Johnson, uh, Arn, Stricker, Leishman. I mean, those are all solid players. You know, Leishman, it wasn't too long ago at the, at the last major, like not major, but the Arnold Palmer Invitational, he won it. So it's not like he's a, being a scrub this year. So there's plenty of names out there. Stricker, I mean, didn't he shoot a five under or six under last, or seven under last last week in the yes, final he round? Did. He shot a final round 63. So you know he's in solid form and he's a past winner here. So I I don't hate that play. So there's a lot of names out there, and you know if you really want to go low owned, that's been a solid DFS uh, player amongst. Uh, all golfing is, uh, you know, Peter Ulime. I got it. Never pronounce his name right, I don't think. But, you know, if you don't play European DFS, you might not know him. But, you know, he's rattled off a whole bunch of 30th places, 20th places over the last, you know, a couple of months. He's, this is his third start in 2017 on the PGA Tour. Came fifth at the Puerto Rican Open, 23rd at the, the Shell Houston Open. Sure, this is a more stronger feel, but he's solid golf is solid golf. So, you know, I don't mind the play uh, of, of Peter. If everyone else is going to be on these other 6K players, then he might be a very low-owned uh, a player that you can differentiate your lineups with. Are you saying that uh, he won't sink your rosters? I wasn't going that punish. Um <laughs> Though I am a very punished person in general. So, no, I didn't think of Sink uh, reference there, but he's going to be low on because there's going to, I mean, Rafael Cabrera Bello is cheaper than him. So, you know, if you're going to look at a European player, people are going to naturally go down to him instead of this other guy that no one's heard of. So, I, I, I don't mind him. The European DFS players might be on him, though. So, that's the only drawback there. It's very appropriate that. JJ Spawn and Grayson Murray are back to back in the DraftKings pricing list at 7K. Why is this, you may ask? I just happened to see a tweet from Grayson Murray who suspended his Twitter account for a while while he tried to get his head on straight. And Grayson Murray came back to Twitter at one point last week and he tweeted out, I'm back, everyone, or something to that effect. And JJ Spawn responded to that treat that tweet with the phrase, No one cares. And uh, that's J.J. Spawn and Grayson Murray battling it out on Twitter. And that was, I think, where it ended. Maybe Grayson's going to try to be the bigger person now and not get involved in these uh, little things. But uh, J.J. Spawn and Grayson Murray, they're both in the field this week, and they're the same price. And uh, maybe they're best friends now. Who knows? But uh, not that they're DFS plays. Spawn Spawn withdrew from uh, the tournament last week. So I don't know if there's any underlying injury just in case anyone's tempted to play him. Yeah, don't play him just because of that. I was just uh, relaying that story just because I thought it was interesting. When I just happened to see them back-to-back in the pricing list. Other 6K guys, I mean, I mentioned all the guys at 6.7K, but there's guys at 6.9K as well. Leishman, Stricker, uh, Ben Ahn has made every cut he's played this year, and this would seem to be a nice course for him as well. Bill Haas, who rebounded with a nice performance last week. You've got Schwartzel, though I worry about his uh, lingering wrist injury. He withdrew last week, and he withdrew in the middle of a tournament before that. So Schwartzel seems a little risky. Uh, Gibb talked about Uline. 
We've already kind of mentioned Horschel, Steele, Bradley, Cabrera Bayo, all those like 6.7 K options and 6.9 K options. Uh, Devo, if, if we're saying that all these guys are, are taking ownership away from each other, do you have one that kind of stands out as one that you really like? Brendan Steele. His uh, stats really pop here. He excels at par five scoring. Um, and if all these other names, like, uh, I mean, you could just keep going. You can go with Sean O'Hare and Pat Perez and uh, Ryan Moore and Shane Lowry and yeah. uh, Bubba Watson and Kevin Tway and, like, Charlie Hoffman. Like, these guys are all viable options. So I don't see any one of them being too popular. Uh, but Steele is going to be my favorite of the lot. I'm also very interested in Leishman, uh, Stricker, Ben On, and Ross Fisher. It'd be funny if a person who took down one of the big GPPs had nothing but 6K players. That would be the biggest backlash, I think. <laughs> yeah. It's unlikely, but not entirely out of the question. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if it, Kim can win the players, then we could have a whole bunch of 6K players take down of GBP. Who, Kim, who just came off a player's win, is 6.4K. I mean, granted, I'm, I'm not an advocate for Suwoo Kim at all. Never have been this season because it's just too, too uh, withdraw-ish. But it's just, it's ridiculous. So that's all I'm going to say. Here's all your, you're all 6.7K team, right? 6.7K up and down the board. All six guys, Brendan Steele, Cabrera Bayo, Horschel, Ryan Moore, Sean O'Hare, and Keegan Bradley. If I would have rattled off that team three months ago, you wouldn't have been surprised if that would have filled up a decent chunk of the salary cap. Mm -hmm. Right now, that lineup, Steele, Cabrera Bayo, Horschel, Moore, O'Hare, and Bradley has (laughs) $9,800 in salary cap remaining. $9,800. I could even upgrade one of them and go, you know, super size with Dustin Johnson and still have like three or $4,000 left on the table. So that, I mean, all possibilities are wide open this week mm-hmm. and uh, not a fan of the, the pricing. It's just a little bit, uh, a little bit putting it nicely too loose. There's uh, I don't know. It seemed like it had been all right the last few weeks. Maybe it's because well, of, months, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, this kind of sometimes happens, as we head up to a major, um, I don't know. If, if you haven't checked it out, by the way, Wesley Bryan tweeted out a video of uh, Aaron Hills, which is where the U.S. Open is going to be played. And he stood, or somebody, I can't, I don't know if this was him or if it was somebody else, that, and he just posted the video. But uh, standing on the edge of the fairway, and then, so the rough was right next to him, and then literally took two full paces, just two paces, and you were in straw cabbage that was two feet deep. Like it's, uh, it's, it's going to be crazy there at, uh, at the U S open in a few weeks. So check out that video. Uh, I know Wesley Bryan uh, tweeted it. I'll, I'll retweet it as well on, on my account if I can find it right after the show, but that's in uh, two weeks time. Next week is the FedEx St. Jude classic, uh, which is a, a fun event, but usually a little bit of a, of a limited field there. Uh, as far as the top end golfers, which sometimes happens the week before a major. Uh, if you so, want one more ahead. name, go for it. 6K, Ryan Ruffles. Ryan Ruffles. Have some potato chips in. He, he is how, is it, how expensive? Uh, 6'3. He's been tearing it up on the uh, South American tour. He has 
teed up on a, on a fair few PGA tournaments in the last couple of years, and he's been solid for those. And he is a special Greg Norman invite. All right. So that's going to wrap it up for this show. So Ryan Ruffles is the last guy mentioned this week. He should feel special about that. And uh, after that, we thank you for watching. And we will be back in uh, one week's time for the FedEx St. Jude Classic. Have a great week. Good luck, everybody. And we will see you next Tuesday. Take care. The all-new Toyota RAV4 asks, what if? What if your ride was refined and rugged at the same time? Introducing the all-new RAV4 Hybrid. 208 combined horsepower and standard all-wheel drive make it the most powerful RAV4. Plus, with its head-turning style and breakaway speed, it's bound to change the way you think of a hybrid. The all-new RAV4 Hybrid. Toyota. Let's go places. Horsepower. Ratings achieved using the required premium and gasoline with an octane rating of 91 or higher. Premium fuel is not used. Performance will decrease. The end. Mommy, let's read another. Every child needs to read, but 60% of U.S. children in poverty don't have a children's book in their home. This summer, you and your kids can help change that with Save the Children's 100 Days of Reading Challenge. See how at savethechildren.org read. Once upon a time, a little girl wanted to become an animal doctor. Save the children. Changing a life lasts a lifetime.